Welcome to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me here is Javier Figueroa. Hello, Javier. How are you doing today? Hello, Bernadette. <laughs> doing great. Good, good. You know, every time I hear our opening, I, I just, I have to talk about it because it's, you know, I really am excited about when we started this journey a couple of years ago, bringing an informed life and the concept of this peaceful health revolution, it was, it was just a concept, you know, maybe a few people here and there dabbling at it, but it it's beginning to happen. Yep. Um, more and more people are waking up to what needs to happen, what needs to change. Um, and Javier, in the second hour of our show today, you and I are going to be going in depth on that Board of Health meeting that happened this week in Washington State, oh, yes. um, which is feeding the revolution even more. <laughs> so yes. I, I look forward to diving into that and seeing. Um, I want to remind viewers and listeners that every second of this show is funded by you. It's funded by donors to Informed Choice Washington. Um, and Children's Health Defense um, contributes to the show as well. So that is all donors contributing to Children's Health Defense. Um, so if you have been a listener for a while um, and just kind of new to Informed Choice Washington and you haven't joined us yet, I want to encourage people to join us. You can join for free, join our action team, go to informedchoicewa.org and then look for the about us tab somewhere on there is the the join us tab um you can join us join our action team begin getting our newsletters and if it's within your budget we know that a lot of people lost jobs or struggling with transition time but if it's within your means to give a little something um whatever it is we so much appreciate that to keep this on the air to keep our website going um, to keep us able to gather information, fund informational activities. We, we so much need your help. We cannot do this without you. And recurrent donations, even if it's just $5 a month, really is very helpful too. That helps us plan our budget. It helps us know a few months from now whether or not we're going to be able to stay on the radio and do the stuff we're doing. So informedchoicewa.org. Um, we, if you can, please support us. And, and for those of you who have been support, supporting us for a long time, thank you. Please know how um, appreciative we really are of, of what you allow us to do for you. This is radio and, um, you know, a nonprofit form by the people. That's what we intend for it to be. So, uh, so Javier, our guest today is somebody I've been really eager to meet because there's been all this talk about thousands of pages, truckloads being put in boxes of these official documents wheeled to the Capitol, wheeled to public health officials. And these documents make these officials somehow be known their legal responsibility for the policies they've been pushing on residents of Washington state. Have you heard about this? 
No, I have not. <laughs> okay. Well, this is being done by a group in Washington called the Washington mm. Tea Party. If I'm getting the name accurately, let's go ahead and bring on Emily. Um, hi, Emily. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So Emily Combs is with the big group, the state group, uh, the Washington Tea Room, and she's also on the east side, um, or am I saying it right? The Washington Tea? Washington State Tea, tea Room, yes. Washington State Tea Room. Washington okay. State Tea Room, yes. Um, you know, because over the years, there used to be a tea party, then there yes. was a coffee party, and you know, I don't know. I'm I'm ready for the wine party or maybe a little Tennessee whiskey party. But I'm ready for those parties <laughs> pretty much every day. Oh, you know, we'll get we'll eventually get there where we can let our hair down, as it were, and and relax a little bit. Um, we can relax a little bit now. We had a small victory this week in that we held back a mandate for the COVID shot for kids, but it was only a holding back an hour or two. We will be going deep on that. Yes, I believe that as well. I, I listen in on, on all of those meetings. I'm on every single one of them oh, sending emails because I do a lot of that locally. I'm a mom. Um, I run local groups here for my school yeah. district, a, a board liaison group. Um, yeah. So I'm involved. Yeah. In, in all of those as well, those meetings and trying to stay up on that. It's very important for us to make sure we're all discussing those kinds of things and keeping an eye on what yeah. our state government is doing. Yes, exactly. So Emily, pre-COVID, were you involved? Can you tell us a little bit about you as a mom and a, and a citizen pre-COVID and then what changed along the way? Pre-COVID, uh, I feel like a lot of people have had a lot of things change. You know, I'm sure my story is not very different from a lot of people's. Um, Pre-COVID, I was a working mom. I had a career in organic agriculture where I was running an organic market. I managed about 30 different farms. Um, before that, I was doing greenhouse. Before that, I was a florist for about 10 years. Um, so my lifestyle has always been in, you know, kind of a natural holistic type of um, angle. I'm always looking for things like that. That always interested me. I kind of grew up that way. Um, and so I kind of look at the world in, in, in a different way a lot of times than a lot of people I know, just because I'm always looking for other answers and I'm always looking for sources. And um, I think that when COVID happened, <laughs> it people, people just kind of had this, you know, mass fear of the unknown. And for me, it was less of a fear and more of a, a, a deep seated questioning. What's going on? Where's this coming from? Who's doing that? You know what I mean? Like I yeah. want answers. I want to find yeah. the answers. And the problem with that was you couldn't find the answers. Yes. It was being convoluted and muddled and, and no one was giving out the truth. Mm -hmm. personally like it was just very hard to find um and being a mom that's scary I also was pregnant during this time we had our son in August of 2020 so I have an 18 month old now so I was pregnant during COVID wow with my son um and so that added an extra level an extra element during this for me just because the hysteria on top of 
trying to be a part of needing needing help in the medical field, mm-hmm. trying to go to my appointments, trying to you know make sure that everything was fine. And I had a midwife. Um, I really wanted to make it as you know less invasive as possible because that's just how I live my life, and I didn't think COVID was a reason to be changing that. Um, it just it it was difficult. I I left my career in 2019. I moved. Um, I was starting my business. I was starting my own um, indoor urban farm in my shop. COVID hit. Mm-hmm. I I just got my business license. License. I was searching for um, construction and you know trying to do everything that happens when you just start a business and then COVID, and pretty much canceled all of that. Right, like. Mm-hmm plans down the drain, business down the drain. Um, because no one was, no one was doing anything. I remember, um, driving down the highway one day and, you know, over here, it's like a three lane highway that I was driving down and no one, I just took video because I was like, I have, I own the road now. (laughs) (laughs) Three lanes here and three lanes there and no one else is on the road. For yeah. two weeks, probably it was a good two to three weeks over here that it was really weird. Um, and then people over here just kind of started realizing that there was a lot of things that they weren't buying. Mm-hmm. Um, and and but while still trying to be careful, because obviously, you know, when somebody's telling you that people are dying, you know, everyone mm-hmm. is dying and and. You know, you don't want to hurt people. You don't want to get hurt. You don't want to expose your family. You know, you want to find out the truth and how this is actually yep. going to affect you and, and people that you love and the people in your community in general. Right. So I think there was a lot of that going I, on. Yeah, I think that you really tapped on, one to me, one of the cruelest tools being used to drive this narrative you know and it's okay on this show to talk about the big picture like it's it's about the great great reset this is a global takeover under the guise of public health but they co-opted the best of mankind to achieve it you know we we do want to love our neighbor we do want to look after grandma. We do want to protect our children. We right. want all of those things. And they were making and, and continue to make us be afraid of using our common sense and, mm-hmm. and doing what we know to be right. Absolutely. Um, and, and looking at the, the full big picture. I mean, and now there's there's mainstream studies and articles now showing that locking people down and masking them up and hiding them away, especially for the the children, absolutely the wrong thing to do. And our instincts were telling us that's the wrong thing to do, but we were being shamed for daring even to speak up, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So it, it really was good that there were people like you who are questioners and not just alarmist, right? Your personality types is, is so important at times like this. And I'm so glad that entire pockets of locations, a lot of people here, Washington state, and they just think crazy Seattle. I apologize, Seattle. I know this is being broadcast in Seattle, but you know, that's where, yeah. you know, most of the fear resides. And, but if you stepped outside of that, you saw that people were being safe and cautious, like you said, mm-hmm. but they were living 
and not living in fear. So right. I, yeah. Um, so here we are where you are in Eastern Washington, mm -hmm. people are starting to figure this out and figure out how they're going to proceed. Um, and then what, where are you? How, did, when did you become actively involved or was that a searching process to even figure out how to be involved in making some changes? I think for me, it was just a natural progression. I'm, I'm being a mom and just being the person that I am, I'm involved in a lot of stuff. I, 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 I reach out. I know a lot of people. I want to know who's running for what and what I'm voting for. And I want to know these things. So for me, once COVID started and then everything got shut down and it started affecting us in our, our daily lives. And I saw what was going on with my, my child in elementary school. Um, I was appalled to be honest. I was appalled at what was happening. I was appalled at the lack of care for the effects that it was going to have on our children and, and the people that were telling me this is best for them. I don't really care if you have an opinion on your, how your child should be learning or how you know they should feel, but this is best for them, let me tell you. Um, to me, that was a, an obvious road for me to start getting involved in because yeah. I was like, this is not, this is not good. This is not right. Yeah. This isn't working for her. I know my, and specifically, I know my child. And mm -hmm. I know she needs certain things and I know that how that was working and I know she can't be the only one that's like this, how the, the policies that were implemented under emergency powers were not healthy for my child in yeah. any capacity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and she, like I said, she can't be the only one. So for me, getting involved locally was very easy, was I started searching immediately, mm -hmm. searching for other people searching for people doing something because one of the things that I know brought me into this movement is the fact that I am the type of person and I love meeting people like this. And I'm sure you guys are, you know, those people, you're doers. I'm not going to sit here and complain online or to my friends without doing something because the fact is I have to sleep with my own conscience at night and being a mom, I have to know that if I'm going to sit here and be like, this is wrong, I'm going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to affect change. I'm going to find out what I can do. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's just where, you know, yeah. I just kind of walked right into meeting yeah. other people like that and that's running great. community meetings and going to, you know, board mm -hmm. meetings and getting up on stuff like that because mm -hmm. it was needed. And, you know, about that time, I would, I would guess it was parallel where informed with Washington was writing letters requesting information from the office of um, superintendent public instruction from the governor's office from department of health asking show us the data the studies anything that says it's safe to mask a child for eight hours a day for five days a week show us the studies you know that for everything that they were doing show us it's safe and it's not causing harm right. we supplied the information that showed either harm in other similar situations or the potential for harm because of similar, um, you know, and, and the psychological impacts, developmental impacts, we got nothing. Yeah. And, and one of the, one of the biggest tools of sort of a tyrannical sort of approach to government is if they don't have a good answer for you, that doesn't like actually agree with you, you know, and they don't want to agree, they just don't respond. Right. 
So, you know, they begin with the fear campaigns. If you don't go along the shaming campaigns and then the absolute silence, they're just not going to engage. When they shut us out, that, you know, that's huge. And there's still, how many meetings are still Zoom? Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, are they ever going to be in person? And you just don't get right. that those conversations and the relationship building. Okay, so when then did you meet up with the individuals or how did it all come about that you found whatever it is the tea party is doing? And I want you to explain that to me. The tea um, room. The tea, the tea room. room, yes. Yeah. I apologize, yeah. People, yeah, well, we get that a lot, people, yeah. but you know, we don't, I don't want to like shut anyone out in our movement because we're, uh, you know, like just labeling ourselves a certain, you know, political entity. We, we want this to be, we believe that this should always be a bigger issue than partisan politics. Yeah. There you go. Yep. A hundred percent because this affects us all and this affects our future and this affects our country and our country's future. Um, so when I, back to your question, when, when I got started getting involved with the tea room, um, last late last summer, early fall. Uh Oh, you froze a bit. I'm hoping uh -oh. it'll, it'll click back in. <laughs> I love powerhouse moms like Emily. Come on, Emily, reconnect. There we I go. She's back. There she's back. <laughs> Living in Eastern Washington. Yeah, I got it. The great internet. Um, I was already running local community meetings. I was already running a local uh, a Facebook group, which has about 1,200 people on it already um, at that time, and then smaller groups as well. So we were meeting weekly. We were trying to affect change locally. And I had the full understanding that there's a there's a power structure in play here and i want to affect change locally but i understand that i know these teachers and i know these administrators and they're not necessarily the ones making this policy although i understand they have a choice here and i firmly believe that morally mm -hmm. but at the same time did i want them having to get fired because of that stance and then having you know the teachers union in seattle sending someone over here that was going to indoctrinate my children fully try to you know what i mean mm -hmm. do i want that no i want those people to stay there that are going to protect them yeah i do i want them to stay there and this was something i was already fighting for so a lot of things started falling into my lap um just connecting with people and and different movements and and making those connections and people were coming to me with certain things um hoping you know we could start movements and get more involved and and searching for stuff like that. So I had a friend add me to the telegram group um, that was very small then at that point in time. And it just seemed like something that I, I was searching for already. I was looking for the next step because I knew that this couldn't just be local. If I was going to really push, it had to be statewide at least. You know what I mean? If not, mm -hmm. hopefully make a movement nationally, mm -hmm. because really that's what we need is we need, we need complete change here. We need mm -hmm. pushback in every aspect mm -hmm. in our country. And so I was looking for those bigger, bigger movements. I was looking for something that I could really get involved in. And when this came to me, it was like, aha, you know, mm -hmm. this, this, this is needed. 
this I can put my time and effort into. This um, is something that just, it spoke to me. It spoke Mm -hmm. to me as a a freedom-loving American who really believes in liberty and justice and believes in our country and loves our country and loves my fellow countrymen. Like, this, for me, was, like, something that we have all been lacking in just those movements of uh, learning and, and, and teaching each other and, and being able to do things that we haven't done ever in the state, you know, and just that, that real grassroots kind of pushback Mm -hmm. for me was like a a light bulb. And I just got in there and gung ho, you know, started working with Brianna. So Brianna is, is the founder of the Washington state tea room. And she started this, movement her and just she was looking for other leaders and she needed people to come in and help you know get this ball rolling and for me that was like I'm in yeah I'm in. and and did she already have th- this project that you're doing where you're serving I mean massive amounts of paper was this idea already there or was it something that you guys got together and figured out to do so the idea was there the idea was there, which is when I, when I first came in here, I was like, you know, obviously it was, uh, it's a lot of work. It's, we put in a lot of work, a lot of hours on these affidavits, but the idea was there. It just, yeah. So give us the idea. Yeah. Okay. Not paved yet. So tell us the idea and then the paving. Okay. So the idea was to write up, um, lawful constitutionally backed affidavits to end, put an end to all mandates related to COVID in this state for now, for then and future. Um, and then also to produce a forensic audit for the 2020 election. So wow. we, we were, we're working on both aspects for okay. everyone. And not only were we working on those, we were also working on the next steps to ensure that we were already a step ahead and to make them lawful And it wasn't just like a, you know, I'm not saying people's stories are frivolous, but we wanted this to, to mean something. To have some teeth. To have some teeth. Exactly. And we, we, with the road not being paved, it took a lot of research, a lot of time, a lot of searching, a lot of hair pulling, a lot of trying to get people involved, a lot of questions. Um, but thankfully, we also had a team in Utah. We, we've spoken to other states. We saw what Arizona was doing. We've spoken to people. Brianna was getting in touch with, with people in Arizona. And then one of our mentors, James, in Utah, has been using kind of this affidavit process lawfully for a while. And so he was heavily involved with us then and really wanted to help us, you know, get get to where we needed to be. Although what we're doing, what we did was absolutely unprecedented. So he's like, I've never used this for this big of a movement for, for, you know, the whole state, but why not? Why not? And it's one affidavit per person. So this is being done, not like you're not serving like the whole, um, uh, Department of Health or Governor's Office. You're you're serving papers to individuals, holding them individually responsible. Is that right? Correct. So, how how can that you know how can public servants be told 
that so it Explain, yeah. So, can can you like read to us one of the affidavits? Do you have one there? You could read to us the language, and and what it's telling these individuals. What will motivate them to stop doing what they're doing, or or mandating what they're mandating? Right. Where's the teeth? So, I I I can't read one too. It, um, our affidavits are actually like if the packet is thirty three pages. Okay, it's thirty three pages. Give me an idea what's in it. Um, so it's a four piece packet. The first part is going to be a notice of claim for ending the mandates and then the affidavit for ending the mandates. And then the second piece of that is a notice of default. That would be, would be the second step for ending the mandates. And it's the same thing for the forensic audit. We had a notice of claim and an affidavit for the forensic audit and a notice of default for the forensic audit. So it's a four piece packet per person. Each person goes through and in these affidavits and notices is listed out every single law that allows us as individual citizens to put an end to mandates restricting our constitutional rights okay. and not just laws for us in the state of Washington. So we went through the Washington constitution constitution and the federal constitution and added laws that said, we have a right to stop this. We have a right to ask for a forensic audit and to have you produce that as our government working for us. We have an individual right to say, you cannot commit these crimes against me because this is what you're doing right now against my constitutional rights because those are supreme here. This is fantastic. And then how did you decide who to serve? Because which individuals in what position are in a position to stop the mandates and also be held personally liable by these affidavit because of the office or the position they hold? How was that determined? We wanted to serve basically our top, our top tiers, you know, in our, in our Washington state government. So starting with our governor, Jay Inslee, Mm -hmm. And then we just kind of went down the line from there because we felt like these were the people that were really pushing to break, you know, our constitutional rights. These were the people that were really pushing to force us into emergency rule and mandates and really pushing to not have election integrity and really pushing to not have, you know, um, transparency in our, in our elections. And for us, that's where we wanted to start with. It was Jay Inslee. Um, it was Bob Ferguson. It was Denny Heck. It was Lori Jenkins, it was Patty Murray, and it was Maria Cantwell. So our two state senators, yeah. uh, the Speaker of the House, the Lieutenant Governor, and the AG, and are also our state governor. And Lori Jenkins, Speaker of the House, also works in public health. She sort of serves a dual role in pushing everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, and I heard her in a meeting say, one of the Zoom legislative meetings, that she knows she has a lot of weight and clout in on the topic of public health, having that corner office and her background. So um, I'm really glad that you were able to serve this individual because I do think that um, she is probably one of the major cogs. In, I agree. Um, yeah. She's still running from service to be, to be, Frank with you. She's still running from the service of the notice of defaults. She's still running. So are our two state senators. Um, They haven't been in office even through legislative session at all. No one can find them. No one can. They haven't been like in their Washington offices. 
And um, they have they been in DC? They won't answer the phones or call back. I'm just a seven hour drive away, just saying. Several <laughs> <laughs> people. Oh, well, because we had the, you know, we we're connected with people that were going over to the convoy. And so we had several people that were like, hey, you know, if we need to, we can put all these boxes in a, in a, in a truck and, and take them over there. But it was almost like for us showing the lack of decency that these officials have for the individuals that they're supposed to be working for mm-hmm. was just as important as, as serving. Yeah. And you know, yeah, we have a long history, several of us with um, the senators of Washington state of going to them very earnestly with issues of, of wanting vaccine safety reform, vaccine safety o- oversight, injuries acknowledged, looking to them for help. And, you know, the, the, the kind nods you get when you're in person and the smiles and the photo op and, oh yeah, we'll look into it. And then the absolute silence mm-hmm. um, and mocking disregard. Oh, the stories we could tell of things. And, you know, I'm usually such a Pollyanna when it comes to people, I tend to take them at face value. Um, that really got chipped away to a certain extent because of my dealings with politicians. Yeah. You know, because they that. seem so warm and genuine and authentic. Yes. But, but you know who else does that really well? Major media. Oh, yeah. During the whole measles thing, I tell you, I was so naive and I had the nicest reporters. Oh, Bernadette, of course. Oh, we're all about facts and truth. And we just, you know, we honor the journalistic integrity and they would interview me for two hours. Mm-hmm. And then the articles they would publish you're like yeah. did you listen well, to a word i said they, they hold hands they're yeah. they're they're wings on the same bird yep. yes. so, yeah mind if i share the uh the gateway gateway pundit uh, article on your oh, absolutely great article we're we're very happy happy and thankful and that the gateway i'm gonna try and share it on the screen right now okay very good <clears throat> Because yeah. I mean, this this made national news. Yeah, it it made it made uh, global news. Actually, yes. this was published in the UK as well. And yeah. then I love this part: Governor Inslee's office and other officials refuse service. Yes. Yeah, read read the whole title for those who are just on the radio. Exclusive: <laughs> Over thirty thousand notarized lawful affidavits delivered to Washington state officials. Governor Inslee's office and other officials refuse service. Mm-hmm. Published March seventh, twenty twenty two. Yeah. Gateway funded. So what is the, when, when somebody refuses service, I mean, what does that mean? And is that legal to refuse a legally presented, um, you know, so what happened? Did you eventually get to the governor? I know you're still trying yes. to chase down some people, but yes, no, it's to answer your question. No, it's not legal. No, it's not legal because we had four legal process servers, they're licensed process servers to serve these, and technically no. Um, but really, does our government care about breaking laws under emergency powers in the no. name of COVID? Absolutely not. They don't. And we, sh- I mean, we have it all on film. It, the whole thing was streamed live from um, The Flame was there, and CJTV were there um, mm-hmm. for the 
serving. So it's and we live streamed on our Facebook page. So it's all on film. You can you can see them trying to server getting served. The I will say the only office that was a pleasure to work with. Um, the people that were in the office were a pleasure to work with and they took service like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. They signed for it and they were like, this is great. Thank you for coming. Was Lieutenant Governor Denny Heck's office. Oh, the people yeah. that worked in his office were very gracious, mm-hmm. um, answered the phone. They were there. Yeah. <laughs> they came to the door. <laughs> you know, people in, in Governor Inslee's office were in there and they refused to even come to the door mm. because no. of COVID. Now, the question that I have for you is the following. Has any district attorney or even a, uh, a local DA stepped up and said, you know what, they did break the law. I'll take up your case. We have not had that yet. We would love to have support of more um, attorneys, but the few that we know that are doing this are so swamped. Yeah. They're yeah. so swamped with people that need their help, that taking on a movement like this is would be impossible. I know I, I, I'm in touch with them. I talk to them um, or I have people on my team that are, you know, being represented by them. Um, so while we appreciate and love them, we, we, we need more people that are willing to step up and stand up for the constitution and for we, the people and for individual rights, because the common good is our individual rights, period. End of story. Mm-hmm. End of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so what about, Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Javier. What, what about your local sheriffs? Have you reached out to them and asked them to, uh, you know, basically those, those officials have broken the law yes. and the sheriffs have every constitutional right to begin an arrest process or at least uh, begin a process for, uh, you know, taking them to court for breaking a constitutionally defined protected right. Yes. So, Coming from Spokane County and over here on the east side, I know, you know, several counties around me, the sheriffs over here are very supportive. They're very supportive of what we're doing. They're very supportive of supportive of movements of the people based on our rights and 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 you know, our right to our government and to speak on what our laws should be and shouldn't be. Um, so I'm very thankful for that we're not necessarily at the point where they could start, you know, implementing their power as a sheriff, but we, we will be, we will be, we, we are planning on getting to that point. So we would love to continue and hope for their support. What I will say is that there are what 39, is it 39 sheriffs around Washington state, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, 37 of them are appointed or are, are voted for. Voted so 37 for. of the 39 sheriffs are, are voted into office by the constituents of the county. Mm-hmm. Two are appointed. Yes. Two sheriffs are appointed by our state government. And you can guess what, which counties those are in. I know it's King. It's got to be Pierce. But you know what? What just absolutely fries me is the fact that up until recently, King County also was voted in, but they voted to give up their right to vote yes. for their sheriff. Yes. Why would you hand over your right to choose the most important law enforcement entity where you live, right? I mean, I didn't know this until COVID that the sheriff really is the law of the land. 
And, you know, if you've got a good sheriff protecting you, protecting your rights, wow, what a difference it is. I mean, you know, and I lived in Snohomish County and we had a great, still have a great sheriff there. And I was so grateful um, for him. So, yeah, that's sheriffs, they're a very important silver lining of COVID is we're all beginning to understand the structure that our, our forefathers put in place, how wise they were, you know, why they did what they did. And we're, now we're learning how to actually utilize this great structure. And I think part of the problem, I don't know about you guys, but I was raised and was told over and over that we live in a democracy. I had no idea we lived in a republic, even though it's in the national anthem and to the republic for which, which you stands. know, it stands. Yes. One nation. Yeah. Okay. So we live in a republic and the, and the, the huge difference between a democracy and a republic. Democracy is mob Absolutely. rule, baby. <laughs> but a republic is set up to protect the individual. That doesn't mean we don't love each other and respect each other and help each other. That doesn't mean we're not very human. Yes. Um, and it doesn't mean we're selfish, but it just really a republic form of government from at my ripe old age here, from all I've seen, see, seems to, when it's respected, feed the human soul more than any other form of government because of right. that respect and that trust in humans to do the right thing you know, instead of um, thinking that everybody needs to be told what to do. Otherwise, they're too mean, too stupid, too lazy or whatever to do anything. Well, and, that, and that understanding that our rights are inherent, are inherent. In inherent. Our they yes. are ours. You know, yes. you, you can't have one percent of a population that exercises a given right. And then the 99 percent do not want you to exercise that right. And they want to abolish it like they cannot. They can't do so by a simple majority vote. Those are yeah. your rights. Yeah. That yeah. that is what that means in a democracy. We don't have any of that. Right. And I, one of the things that I stress to people when I speak to them and when I go places and I talk to people, is that and, and this is the problem that we run into as what in Washington State is that when you identify yourself and who you are as a political party, you give things up to to them that that never should be given. So if you have a government that you trust and agree with implicitly. <clears throat> And then you have another one that you completely disagree with, vehemently disagree with. Nothing that they do is right to you. If you will give those powers up to the government that you agree with, all your individual powers, but not this one. Yeah. You couldn't, right. you can't set that precedence. Yeah. You never set that precedence because once you give that power away, yeah. you can't get it back. And who's to say the next government isn't going to be this one that you completely exactly. disagree with. And guess and, what? Now they have that power over you too. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, like here in the state of Tennessee, I really have to watch that when I'm looking at bills to support and, and bills to oppose, because sometimes I love what a particular bill is doing because I agree with what it will impact now. But when you step back and you look at the big picture and you think, what if somebody else uses this for some other purpose I would agree with? You've just, right? You've given them this power. And 
it's, you know, it just, it really, you do have to be very, very cautious about what you give away. You are so wise for that. So what's the next step for the people you have served? Is there a time limit now for something to happen before the next thing happens? Well, we, so we already served the initial affidavits and then 10 days later we went in and served the notices of default because we didn't get responses. We got one email back from the AG's office that was (laughs) not great. It was not great. Um, It was a lot of like dismissive, nothing serious, nothing that addressed anything that was in the affidavits. Besides, there's like, you know, basically what it said was there's all these people that have already tried to take the governor to court over this and and the ones that are already in there have lost. So what's the point of what you're doing? That's not. And and because that that response did not address what you filed, the affidavit, it was really a non-response, right? It was a non-response. Exactly. It was a non-response. So then we went ahead 10 days later and served them with the notices of default good the next step so you know that was a huge huge amounts of paper huge amounts of paperwork like i said the um lieutenant governor's office the ag's office and our state governor insley's office have all been served with both steps jenkins office is still trying to evade that second step when we served that office the first step the notices of claim and the affidavits they had us take them to a mail center to be checked for explosives first. <laughs> I guess we shouldn't laugh because it is a serious subject, but you know, it's, you know, it's basically mom's on a mission and they're checking the baby bottles. You know, it's just absurd. Like you guys, they knew full well that we had already served the other three government officials in the same building as them. Yeah. We already served the AG's office, who took the AG's and Inslee's boxes, and Danny Heck's office. And Lori Jenkins is in the same building. But no, hers have to be checked by the mail center for bombs. Why? Why, Speaker of the House? Why is that? It makes as much sense as putting on your mask across the lobby of a restaurant, taking it off when you sit down at a table. Exactly, and making kids wear it all day anyway. It's theater and stall tactics. It has nothing to do with... Absolutely. Funny thing, though, and then she, you know, like I researched on the PDC when we're talking about Jenkins, I research on these websites all the time. And from what I found, she has taken the most campaign donations from Pfizer and from Gilead Sciences, which is the the company that produces remdesivir out of any other political entity in this state that I have found. Um, So it makes sense to me that she is really dug in. I'm really concerned. I'm glad you brought that up in a squirrel a minute because um, Biden started this really dangerous um, test to treat program. Now, the concept itself isn't isn't dangerous, but the fact that how he's utilizing it with EUA drugs. Now, if it was test to treat with safe, proven safe and effective drugs, like, I don't know, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and vitamin D and C and zinc, right? Right. Yeah. But those are not things you're going to be able to go do this test to treat thing through a pharmacist. It's, it's going to be, um, 
a couple of dangerous emergency use authorized, barely tested pages and pages of contraindications and concerns and, you know, and there's one in particular that the, that the Department of Health, when you go there and you look at it and you click on it, you see the PDF, it's called a, like a prep, a, um, a preventative, like a preventative and it's a shot, like, but it's not a vaccine. It says if you get this shot around the time you get a vaccine, the vaccine might not be effective. So you got to wait. So what the heck is it? They don't explain. They of course don't they don't. It. They don't explain. I went and looked and looked and I believe what it is. It's a, probably an antibody cocktail. I think it's a mixture of two of the monoclonal antibodies that they're going to now make available at pharmacies, certain pharmacies, if they've got like a, a doctor clinician on staff who can serve the, the role of the doctor um, and then fill it right there. Yeah, it's just, it's just absurd. So again, our health, it was bad enough that our health departments were promoting vaccine products, genetic therapy but they had not up until now actively promoted other pharmaceuticals but now apparently they've moved into the realm of promoting other pharmaceuticals right other eua unlicensed untested well i when i say untested i don't want anybody to yell at bernadette yeah they did minimally tested <laughs> go read the the clinical trials Right, because there's always going to be those people that are like walking the line. This they did do a test, a test. They did do like, a test, not appropriately. This was not the length of testing that should be given to anything that you're taking like this, right? right. Or like remdesivir when they were actually literally testing people who were dying in the hospital right. and not let, allowing their family in, and they were just letting pharmaceutical companies practice on people who were sick. Yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. It it's is disgusting, the whole thing. And I just, I love what um, AJ DePriest has uncovered with her team of like 28 researchers into the yes. federal money feeding this. And I'm, I'm just so glad that there's brilliant minds like that. Yes. Um, finding the data and then moving toward taking action. A lot more will be coming along that route. And all of this, as our show starts off, it's about a revolution, a health revolution, a peaceful revolution. I have to repeat that because the forces that be, the powers that be, want to make us look um, dangerous. And we are absolutely not. I, did you guys watch some of the video of the um, and defeat the mandates um, in L.A.? That was a few days ago. That was so good. And so many passionate scientists, doctors, moms and dads, activists getting up. You hear their passion. You hear their frustration. Yes, you hear their anger. And what are they all like at some point saying it's about peace? It's about love. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Hug everybody. Let's do this. It's about humanity, right? You know, you don't hear the other side getting together with this pretty much of a love fest is what we got, which I, I, I have so appreciated. The vaccine safety reform movement has always been filled with people radiating love, kindness, forgiveness, and hope. And that's still where we are today. And justice. Justice. And justice across the board for everyone. Yeah. Justice has, for, you know, I want people to be able to say what's right for them mm -hmm. and, and, and be able to live that. Yeah, because that's their right in this country. Now, in terms of what you 
after the delivery, there's there are officials that received your affidavits, and you've already got the notice of default sent to them. Yes. And then after the notice of default, is there a notice of estoppel? So next we are working on the next step is criminal complaints. Okay. We're working on getting those all written up. I, and like I said, this is a complete grassroots movement. Grassroots yeah. movement. We would love to have attorneys and people with great input on law come in, and because a lot of this is research, we're looking through all the proclamations. Because in every single proclamation our governor has spoken, there are laws being broken. Yep. Every single one. So we're going through all of those and connecting them to all the laws, you know, the constitutional laws, the laws in our state, the federal laws, um, if we need to. And putting this into our criminal complaints. And a lot of this takes a lot of manpower. Um, so, you know, I can reach out if anybody's listening and wants to be a part of the group. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, but next will be criminal complaints. We will be having events for those as well, because once we get those written up or finished, we have them written up. We're just trying to get them dialed in right now. We're on like the fourth rough draft. <laughs> so getting those dialed in um, and ready to file, we'll be doing affidavits of joinder for people. So we're hoping to get thousands of people in the state again, coming on and, and putting their name. You don't have to have signed an affidavit. You can come in on this process and, and get in on this, even if you weren't part of the first process, put your name on it mm -hmm. and be a part of a movement to push back, you know, pave this road even for, yeah. for people, because we don't know the outcome that's mm -hmm. going to happen from this. I can't tell you exactly how far we're going to be able to take this. But the fact is, is that people in this state, in this country need to know how to push back for their individual rights, because we have allowed this to get this way for so long that now it's almost unprecedented to push back for our rights. Right. And, and we need to have the ability to say, no, this is what I stand for. And I have this that can help me. And I have this that can help me. And I have this movement or this process that I know I can do. Mm -hmm. And for me, just watching us pave that road and getting people involved and getting people, you know, really pumped up about wanting to stand up for others in this state and wanting to stand up for people's rights, the constitutional rights, standing up for we, the people is a huge win. Yeah. I mean, like I, if, if that's all I get from this, that that's worth it for me because I have a duty as an individual in this country to stand up for that. Right. And, and that's what pushes us all yeah. in this movement to do that. And that's what pushes us to do these criminal complaints and to put all this time into it, but that'll be the next step. Yeah. Here's we, a, here's we, hypothetical. Sorry, go ahead, Bernadette. Well, I just want to make sure that we give out, and we're going to repeat it. We've only got a few more minutes. Where can people find you? How can they join you? How can they help you? Give us the contact information. So you can email us at washingtontearoom at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Washington State Tea Room on Facebook. You can message us there as well. We have a public telegram page um if if people want to join that we we operate on, on a private telegram it's invite only because we vet people that we want to make sure it's an action group that we're not a new yeah. sharing group we are just an action group for this mission can you already share the screen for the yeah what was that? oh do i have to do something to allow you to I share believe so yeah um there we go oh, no there you go that was on the station and there we go ah perfect Oh, look at that mug. There we are. 
Yay. Somebody doesn't look happy there. Well, that's that surprising. Yeah. <laughs> we have our Telegram is Wa State Tea Room Public. You can find all these links um, on our Facebook too. Okay. Email us and we can send it send it out to you. We have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. We just started doing all this like public stuff because before we were operating completely under the table, you know, like out of the out of the limelight. Um, okay. It was just word of mouth. Liberty, you know, loving, freedom loving American to freedom loving American, patriot to patriot. Just getting this done, and that's. But now that we've served, now now we're kind of you know. Yeah, opening up the doors and saying like, "This is what we've been doing." Yay! Heard about us, you know. Come be a part of this, right? So good. I'm. I'm. It's such an honor to to meet you and to know you're doing this, Javier. Quick before we get cut up. Quick question, a hypothetical. If once you get the criminal complaints filed, um, say a hypothetical, uh, say a, a senator like Murray or Cantwell step outside of King County and go into another county for a, a rally or anything. Would then the sheriff be empowered to enforce the law? Um, I don't think she has time to answer. The music is playing. <laughs> we are hoping to get these filed in as many counties around the state, ideally, if we could, and just have it blasted on you know our media outlets and and be able to have everyone see that we're filing all these criminal complaints. That yeah. way, if it's necessary, we can activate sheriffs in whatever county we need to. Perfect. I now, love that. They can come together and say, Yeah, we've got this for you. We have to, we have to move forward. So. Awesome. Well, Emily Combs of the Washington Tea Room, thank you so much for joining us. Thank look you. her up. Look up their group. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll take a break and then we'll be back. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy, but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. 
Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a Welcome back to an Inform Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. Um, and hey, Javier, are you still with me? That was a, a great first hour that we had with Emily of the Washington Tea Room. They are doing great work serving up affidavits, um, which will eventually lead to citizens stopping um, the mandates, all of the the overreach of government happening. Um, I'm just so proud of her and what she is doing. Uh, it was so great to have her on the show and see this. I, I'm America is waking up and figuring out what to do, how to be Americans and how to, what freedom means, how to be respectful of each other, how to love your neighbor and yet make sure you're protecting your rights, you know? So much there to learn. Hey, Javier. <laughs> she was so inspiring, wasn't she? It was um, great to hear her. Yes, she was. Um, and I, I love the work. So let's let's remember to um, keep listeners updated. Let them know, um, you know, on Facebook, the Washington Tea Room. Uh, look for them there. I believe it was uh, Washington Tea Room at Gmail was dot uh, com was the address right. for more information. You know, Javier, I meant to say this in the first hour and I forgot. I want to share with you um, an exciting uh, class that I just learned about today. So I apologize that it's late notice to get the early bird special on this, but you'll see what I'm talking about. There is a course, yeah, that has been put together. Let me see if I can find. There it is. Um Let's see. Oops, I got to go ahead and click the sign up thing. There we go. So it's not there. So have you heard? I, I, I'm i not sure if we've had Michael Gaeta on the show since um, you began co-hosting with me, but he has the guy, I think it's pronounced Gaeta Institute okay. for Holistic yep. Health Education fantastic individual. And a new course is starting next week. And today is the last day to sign up to get the early bird discount for it. It's an amazing 15 week course, couple of hours a week for 15 weeks. And you're gonna learn about cutting edge, most up-to-date information on COVID prevention, on COVID treatment, on the COVID injection, mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm going to read that suggestions offered for treating health issues which arise due to injections. Note that COVID injections are not recommended whatsoever due to their ineffectiveness and dangers. 
You're, so you're going to find out if you made that choice or a loved one made that choice, you're going to learn the most cutting up to date information about how to um, heal and overcome some injuries. And then they're going to deal with something called COVID contact vaccinosis is what they're calling it. Um, and that's when you're kind of being exposed, minimizing risk of exposure, improving health overall, initial and ongoing detoxification, boosting immunity and treatments. And I believe I'll, what this is really addressing is if you're exposed to somebody else, you know, we don't hear a lot right now anymore, Javier, about vaccine shedding, but that's still going on. Yeah. Well, and we don't know that it's shedding. We don't know exactly what the phenomenon is. Something, though, is happening um, that has been reported from day one of when you're exposed to somebody, usually recently vaccinated. Or I should say injected. So um, I'm encouraging everybody who wants to explore this and has a couple of hours a week and to go. There is tuition involved. If you sign up today, though, you can get the discount and Informed Choice Washington kind of signed up to help just at the last minute. Uh, promote that. So it, I'm going to let you know that it does. A if you sign up, I think that we get like a little bit. Mm -hmm donated to our charity or not our charity to our nonprofit it's registered charity but um but really empowered citizens cannot have their freedom stolen no under the guise of public health and the more we understand this covid thing all aspects of it and how to protect ourselves from the policies and the products whatever they come along with next we've already got this under our belts, right? Correct. So there's links here. If you just click on the link, it'll bring you to where you can sign up. So uh, there we go. And this is all on Informed Choice Washington's uh, website, the most recent post. Um, look for this on course in COVID vaccinosis. So I encourage people to, to check that out. Um, and I'll repeat that again at the end of the show. I apologize I not to do it at the beginning of the show since it's like we're running out of time to get that early bird special by the end of the day uh, and times uh, are running. Exactly. Um, so the big day finally arrived, huh? In Washington state uh, for, for new listeners um, in Washington state, our law empowers a 10 member panel, the board of health hand selected by the governor to make the decision about what, vaccines or injections at this point um, are required for school attendance and daycare. Way back in November, October, November, December, the Board of Health, despite the, the facts on the ground of what these shots were not capable of doing and the harm they were causing, decided they would assemble a technical advisory group, a TAG, to begin looking at this, whatever was available, um, in order to, I guess, get ahead of the game. Exactly. <laughs> because if you're gonna add a shot to the schedule in Washington state, you have to go through official rulemaking. You have to open up that part of the WAC where they list the shots, go through a whole formal process. So they wanted to jump ahead of this um, is kind of how almost they worded it <clears throat> so they could be ready to pull the trigger, <laughs> as it were, the push the plunger if needed. <clears throat> and of course, every all of the tag members 
were selected because of their bias. They were very pro-vaccine, pro-public health approach to COVID right. individuals. <clears throat> and all the information they were given was <clears throat> from public health officials or entities tied with closely with public health. <clears throat> nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, swimming in their own data and with those biases, these people give credit to humanity because they looked at the big picture and they said, no, we do not think that, that we do not recommend you mandate the shots at this time and bless them because it's not easy to think when you're surrounded by one <laughs> side and the pressure is to, you know, you knew what they wanted them to do, but, but they thought critically as well as they could in the situation. And I thank them for that. And if you don't mind, I'm I'm going to take the opposing view. And I know that you are you're giving credit to the humanity of these people and to the to the logic that they impose. I'm actually going to be a little more cynical okay. and say that uh, you know they saw the opposition that was mounting, and they realized that this is going to be a public health disaster if we keep on pushing it. And it's better just to keep our powder dry so we can push it on later when people forget. Oh, no, I absolutely agree with you. That was the stance of yesterday of the Board of Health. <laughs> I was talking about the TAG members who I see. were a bit more innocent, maybe to not all of them, because of the, some of them had some, you know, deep involvement with public health. They, they know the politics of public yeah. health. But, you know, it was the TAG that I was talking about. You are absolutely right, though, about the Board of Health members. And what I want to share with you um is i've got some of the i've got the video pulled up so i'm going to go ahead and let li listeners um let's see here i'm going to go to bring it to doo -doo 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 -doo. there we go all right are you seeing the tvw there that it's on now okay yep. i'm gonna bring it to the 33 minute mark. So um, before they made their vote, before they even had the presentation that explained what the tag, they, what the tag decided to the Board of Health for their consideration, there was an hour and a half of public comment. And I wanna play a little bit of that now. I'm gonna go right here. Let me know if you can hear this, Javier. I hope you guys take that into um, your decision. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you, Andy. Um, our next individual is uh, Lisa uh, Lisa Templeton. My apologies. And then after Lisa, it is Elizabeth Main. Um, so give me one second, Lisa, and I will let you know. When Sorry, you're I thought I stopped it at a better time. She'll be up in just a second. <laughs> Okay, Lisa, you should be able to unmute yourself on your end. Uh, Lisa Templeton, uh, you should be able to unmute yourself. Honest, it's coming, Javier. Can you hear me? Yay. Oh, yes, we can. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good morning, Chair Groener and members of the board. I oppose the addition of COVID-19 shots to Washington's daycare and school entry requirements. 
assertions made in recent BOH and TAG meetings that kids should take these shots in order to protect the community are misguided. Using children as human shields violates medical ethics. There is simply no justification for subjecting our children to the risks that this liability-free gene therapy pharmaceutical poses. I implore you to honor your professional and moral obligations. Please ratify the TAG's recommendation not to require these dangerous and unnecessary products. If you mandate these injections for daycare and school, kids are going to die. I have to believe that is not your intention. Please align your actions accordingly. Thank you. Wow. Wasn't that absolutely amazing? I yeah. just emailed it. And, you know, let listeners know Lisa is with Informed Choice Washington. She's our wonderful secretary. She was speaking there as herself, as a mom, though, you know, as a deeply concerned citizen. And I, that she nailed everything right there um, in yep. that. And just to, sh to show um, listeners now um, how things went for an hour and a half, there were 40 some speakers that were squeezed in in that time. All but one was opposed to the shop mandate. <laughs> and the one was actually this wonderful dentist who I need to go hear his name again and get a hold of him. Um, and he was opposed to fluoride in the water <laughs> and saying and talking about the dangers of fluoride and health and all that. And I'm like, yay, dentist uh, anti-fluoride in the water. So, and then the, all the rest. So I'm going to go ahead and, and just kind of click through and give um, listeners here a sampling because anywhere I click, we're going to get something. You're going to get some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah parents to do what's right for their children based on their own circumstances rather than making this a cookie cutter one size fits all scenario because we know that it's not so please take that into consideration pray on it think of your own families and please come to the right conclusion and give people options and choices thank you yeah, try another one list these children and the um, severe effects that they are having from these vaccines and the reported amounts going into bars is way underreported. And I can't believe that under these circumstances that you would even be considering mandating or recommending a recommend recommending the yeah. vaccine shot to children. Thank you. But uh, COVID is not risk for children. Uh, without morbidities, serious morbidities, and it's actually good for them. I grew up in a generation where when kids had much more severe things like measles, the parents will send them uh, to visit them and to lay in bed with them so they get it too, because children get things lighter and they develop immunity and strengthen their immune system for other things too. That's what we need to do. We can't take risks for something that is no risk. And I want to say one last thing. I'm a grandma too, and I would never want my grandchild to take any risks of this kind for my sake. So saying for the community, not only it's not the case, children do not pass it on to adults, but adults are adults. They can handle it. If they are feeling unsafe around their grandchildren, they can stay further away especially if a child has symptoms. 
So the whole community um, conversation about children, asking children to take to risk their well-being, their fertility, their unknown risk, so that maybe 0 0.0000 chance percent they could give it to grandma and maybe another 0, 0.0 something that grandma because of that would die that's not how we treat children covid is not a risk for children the the shot is amen and there's so much data showing all of the harmful effects and more and more data is coming out in so many countries united kingdom israel many have shown the damage the latest swedish study shows that the vaccine actually gets into the liver and changes the dna the diseases that they get the myocarditis and stuff like that it's permanent damage it can't be repaired and undone and we should not be mandating harmful drugs to our children the nuremberg code even says no eua can be excuse me yeah eua could be forced or coerced telling children they cannot go to school or preschool if they don't have it there is nothing more coercive than that children need to go to school children need their education and we need to protect our children by saying no to these mandates. This isn't a luxury, it's however. It's amazing. I mean, it's one after the other. I was, I was yeah. floored, just floored. Um, yeah. and most of the time, I know that that the you know they try to sneak in, or at least create space for people that have an opposing view. Yeah. Apparently, over time, it's just gotten so obvious. That you can't find a lot of people that are like, no, we have to mandate it. Let's, yeah, everyone needs to get, get the shot. It's, it really is yeah. just an amazing turn of events. Yeah, exactly. Here, I'm going to stop sharing for a minute. I just, just want to celebrate the informed parents. It's amazing what they know, and it just makes public health so absolutely absurd. Javi, I mean, common sense, you take their own data, you've got a product, it does not prevent infection and transmission, they admit it, they admit it, it wanes within weeks or months, that alone, the practicality of having a mandate for a product where all the kids in class could still be infected and giving it to everybody else, and four months down the line comes spring, you know, yeah. even they don't have any my, little bit of even symptom protection left. I mean, what are they thinking? It's so absurd. And then you add the all the injuries and the myocarditis and the and the unknowns and that's you know that's what I all of is saying and I love what the, that one um, mom had said is I can't believe you're even considering this exactly right now the board did decide to go along with to adopt the tags recommendation of not mandating the shots at this time so um you go ahead and um, as you speak on this a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna go find advance to the place where they begin to talk right after the absolutely what, what is amazing is that the board of health even the tag said we don't recommend this and the board of health is say well we're not going to put it on the list at this time mm -hmm. um it, it just amazes me that um you know th they're allowed to get away with this and first and foremost let's not forget 
like you said, the Board of Health is appointed by the governor. Mm -hmm. Is that not correct? And yeah. if I may have a moment to share the screen with you. Yes. Here. Okay. So I'm going to pause what I'm doing here. I'm going to stop and then you go ahead and share. Yes. Thank you. Well, first and foremost, we have to remember one thing. Oh, okay. Peter so Jay Ainsley is a, a member of the World Economic Forum. He has spoken at many of their seminars. He's spoken at many of their gatherings. He's so tell, tell tell listeners what the World Economic Forum is. Not not everybody has heard us talk about uh, WEF and the Great Reset and all of that. Um, absolutely. The World Economic For Forum is a private organization that basically uh, uh, is is basically a think tank that gathers around uh, political, economic, social leaders under one roof that basically, you know, says these are, you know, the world, it needs to change and we need to have a, uh, a, a one world government. They do push a one world government. They do believe that, you know, the idea of a nation state is antiquated and it gets in the way of people. They, they try and sell it in the way of it blocks the interaction between people. But in reality, they have, there's a high vested interest by large corporate groups and think tanks and also large um, financial institutions that promote this particular way of thinking. Klaus Schwab is the uh, titular head of the World Economic Forum, and he has been very aggressively recruiting global leaders at many levels. So for example, Francois Macron, the current president of France, graduated from one of the programs that they had, Boris mm -hmm. Johnson, um, uh, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, uh, Gavin Newsom, and uh, well, Gavin Newsom was one of the young global leaders. I'm still trying to find out if uh, our governor actually attended one of those uh, uh, programs yeah. as well, but he is listed prominently. And the Great Reset is basically something that was uh, dreamed up and pushed during this COVID period that we mm -hmm. need to have a transition to where, and this is a quote, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the Greece, yeah. the great reset is trying to push. So yeah, and and sure. the um, premier of Canada, right? Uh, Justin Trudeau, of course. Justin yes. Trudeau was one of the famous graduates that um, the people at the World Economic Forum have boasted about, and you've seen what he has done in Canada. Correct. And and he actually, I think he probably got in a little bit of trouble of how boldly he said it. But correct. About a year ago, he said yes we're going to take advantage of this and we are going to move. Did he actually use the word great reset? I wish Correct. we had that clip. We might have to spend Build back yeah. better is directly from the world economic forum. Yeah. And you know, I know that this is not a political show, but for example, this has been repeated over and over, not only by the president or the prime minister of Canada, mm -hmm. uh, not only by the prime minister of the UK, but also by president Biden. Mm -hmm. And many global leaders. So, for example, uh, about 90 current global leaders around the world, that is, prime ministers and presidents, went through the World Economic Forum. And this is something that yeah. the, the WEF boasts about, that they basically say, this is the word of, uh, of uh, Dr. Schwab, uh, uh, Dr. Klaus Schwab. We have seeded every major government with our graduates. S-E-E-D-E-D, -E -E -D, seeded. seeded, planted seeds. 
with every global government with every major global Even government wow. and not only at, at the highest level but also at the uh, mid level so that basically mm -hmm. means at state levels things like that so again here we have a person who believes in many of the tenets of the world economic forum mm -hmm. and has the power and again the 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 world economic forum saw covid and the pandemic response to covid which by the way they taught many of their uh graduates to enact laws that enhance public health response to these power yeah. grabs that we saw yeah this well, is not this is not this is not a conspiracy these are actual facts on the ground yeah, facts on the ground of, of what they're doing. And, you know, it's quite evil brilliance, really, to use public health as the tool to get people to willingly hand up their freedom. Correct. Um, yeah. I, I said at a um, an event that I attended that I spoke at, how do you get freedom-loving, God-fearing, kind individuals who believe in um, serving your fellow man, helping out your fellow man, who really believe in the best part of the, the concept of the greater good sort of exactly. thing. How do you get those sort of individuals to willingly hand over freedoms? You convince them that their very breath is poison. And even if they have no symptoms of anything, you convince them that at any minute they could kill somebody if they don't cover their face. It's it, right. Or if they go somewhere, if they don't obey, it's really scary when you think about it that way, because it just wiped all common sense out. And because Americans are good, the people who are complying are good. They right. they have the best part of themselves co-opted. And we talked about that in the first hour with our guest, the best part of themselves, ourselves have been co-opted. And then we meet, we're made to feel ashamed on, it's not just of course public health. There's many aspects of our lives. We're being told A is not A anymore. The sky is not blue. You know, we're being told so many things. And if you dare speak up and try to be common sense, the shame comes. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, no, it's it's beyond it's beyond it's beyond evil brilliance. It really is. Yeah. Um, so let's go back and let's hear from um, let me go to do, 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 the the Board of Health then. So literally tens of thousands of pages of public comment have been sent to them. Ninety nine point nine nine percent opposed to COVID shots. Um, heartfelt pleas by parents, many of it, you know, with studies attached with the VAERS vaccine yes. adverse event reporting system data attached, CDC's own data, which does not support a mandate, um, human rights violations, all of that stuff. They were inundated for months with information. And then, of course, that last heartfelt plea for an hour and a half by well-spoken um, parents. Um, they vote with the tag to not mandate at this time, but then they go on to say this. Let's see if I can find it. 219, gotta back it up just a hair to get it. 
get there. I got to figure out better ways to do this here. Let's go ahead and just start here and see where it is. Oops, that's too far. 219. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, there we go. Okay. Uh, before we open these up for questions, I just want to highlight a couple of points uh, for the board. Uh, the first is, as I mentioned, that. Um, I want to stop here and say that the gentleman speaking, um, I'm looking, is that the chief science officer? Correct. It okay. is. Um, and I don't have his name right in front of me. I apologize that I haven't memorized it. Do you have that? Well, it'll pop up here in a yeah. second. We'll be able to read it. But it's the chief science officer of Washington State who was on the technical advisory group as co-chair. And he also um, will sit on the board of health when the secretary of health is not available. At this meeting, they were both there. So this is him speaking. Tao Sheng Quan Get, MDMPH. Thank you. The tag strongly endorsed the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccine in children. And in our discussions, we talked about how important it is for us to increase voluntary vaccination against COVID-19 vaccine in children. Voluntary. It's just to reinforce that though the tag does not recommend including COVID-19 in the list of those required for school entry today, uh, as we've mentioned earlier, as a science data change in the future, it may become necessary to assess whether this recommendation must also change. And so it's really important for us to continue close surveillance of COVID-19 and be open to this possibility. So um, Javier, what could possibly change about the shots to make it suddenly ethical to give them? Nothing. They They don't prevent infection or transmission. They target a spike protein no longer in circulation. Mm -hmm and they wane rapidly you know at at the very best i mean four months from now now what do you do right i mean it's such a it's such a narrow vision that, that even if it worked they wane in such a short amount of time and if you did another one another one and they found like you know they're beginning to get what that immune exhaustion people who correct four or five yes you can't boost your way out of this people um I'm just, yeah, it's just so appalling to me that, um, that he would say that. So all of that, and it's as if no parent had spoken, as if we had not sent them all that data. It phased them not at all. Now I'm going to move ahead. And now we've got Secretary of Health Shaw coming up. Um, right. Oops. Right about. Oh. Well, this will be close enough. We'll see what it says. And I'm ready to make that motion, uh, Chair Grellner, whenever you're ready to take it. So if you would rather I not make that motion at this time, but wait for further discussion, just let me know. So the first uh, uh, point that I wanted to make is that the Department of Health uh, very much supports uh, the safety and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccinations. And particularly, I wanted to make mention that it's been shown to prevent against severe disease, hospitalizations, and death. And we believe it is safe and effective in all eligible populations. <laughs> I also want- You know, <laughs> okay, why let's see repeating, what else. Why are they repeating marketing materials? They're oh, that's all they do. Marketing materials, that's yes. all they're doing. That's all they're doing. And Javier, 
It's because I'm going to stop sharing for a minute. Marketing materials has been all public health has been repeating for decades, right? You're new, you're new mm -hmm. to the movement with COVID. We mm -hmm. have been screaming this, this safe and effective messaging is, you know, and especially like the pertussis vaccine. I always use that as the yeah. pediatric example. It doesn't prevent infection, colonization, or transmission. It wanes rapidly in about 18 months. If your first exposure to the shot is, is I mean, to pertussis is a shot, instead of the wild variety, it permanently skews your immune system to have an improper reaction. You never will develop immunity to pertussis, to whooping cough, Correct. and they don't know how to undo it. This is not Bernadette science. This is published peer-reviewed science acknowledged by DOH, acknowledged by the CDC. And they call this thing safe and effective. No. Right? No. And, and holy cow. And of course, they ignore. <clears throat> they've always ignored. But, you know, we look at, at the VAERS data. Of course, we know VAERS suffers from, you know, less than 1% of all adverse reactions prior to COVID were were ever submitted there. Correct. And and you know, they look like sugar pills or saline injections compared to the, what we're seeing with these, these COVID injections. But even so, so many children were harmed by them, their lives undermined. We've got Dr. Paul Thomas um, and others with the studies of mm -hmm. their pediatric um, clientele and the fewer injections the child has the healthier the child is, the fewer chronic right. illnesses. It's all in right. the data. It's right there. Um, it has become a monster. Government, they do this all the time. They have a goal. It's like, here's a problem. We're going to create a government entity to solve the problem, to fix it, to go after it. And then when they realize that what they're doing, it, it, they become this monster that becomes self-preservation of the program exactly. and committee, even after it is found to be useful or helpful. And Correct. even after it has proved to be harmful. That's where COVID entered, the marketing messaging. So what we really need in every state, Javier, and at the federal level, we need laws that says that public health cannot say about any vaccine product, anything that the, the vaccine manufacturers cannot say themselves. Correct. Thank you. The, right? Thank you. Merck, Pfizer, Moderna, they cannot say it's safe to use in pregnancy, why they don't have the data. So why can public health lie and say it? And, and why can they use coercion? We have to make coercion illegal from it is. our own. It's yeah. already illegal. Right. They're well, breaking yeah. the law. They're breaking the law, but let's make it more of a law, right? Because I, I that's what, you know, it's so funny here in Tennessee where people will actually listen to parents who bring them data. Some of the legislatures are just so amazing here. And we'll, we'll bring them a concept, an idea, or build language and, and They'll say, oh, we don't need that. That's already the law. And we'll say, well, sir or ma'am, uh, it is. And yet it's not being enforced. It's being absolutely right. broken and rights are being violated. So apparently if the, the thing what's happening now, Javier, is that the law doesn't matter. 
It's political will that matters. So if there's exactly. a law in place, but not the political will to enforce it or to live by it, it doesn't matter. The judges will go with whatever is politically expedient at the lower level. We're seeing Correct. some good decisions Correct. at the higher level. Um, so we just have to pound home and make the laws, maybe refresh them, make bring them new to memory. And, and, you know, the other thing that I realize that we have not done as citizens, we have not actively followed law, followed legislation, seen the bills, and then become activists to go to businesses and go to those entities violating the law and said, hey, you're violating, violating the law. We've never gotten involved at that level. And oh. that's what needs to happen. We don't have enforcement agencies that could cover it. And frankly, I don't want to start another monster. I don't right. want a government monster doing that. So we got to become the enforcers, as it will. Moms well, on a mission. <laughs> moms on a mission. And more importantly, you know, the, the, main, the main tool that is used is always the legal system. Like, for example, okay. I will sue you because you violated my rights. Most businesses will say, especially if they're a big business, go right ahead. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a minimum of two to three years. Yeah. You're going to spend a lot of money. And guess what? I make more money than you. I can afford lawyers yeah. to fight you on it. And we can delay it till the king, you know, till the cows come, uh, come home. So yeah. it, it, again, this is about building a parallel system. Mm -hmm. We need to have a public, and I do mean a publicly selected board of health mm -hmm. that can push back against the governor appointed board of health. Yeah. The fact of the matter is when you have someone who is so ideologically committed to supporting big pharma, mm -hmm. like Governor Inslee and the Board of Health, which, which like you said, is hand selected and they're all big pharma supporters. They believe in vaccines are going to save public health. You need to have yeah. a counter group of doctors, scientists, community members and parents that will actually be there and say, hmm. It's time for a second look because you know yeah. what? You guys are saying public, you're marketing materials and you're not quoting the science, period. Yeah. yeah, not quoting the science, period. Now, I want to show you here, Javier, one of the reasons there was a lot of talk about trust. We have to instill trust so that there is buy-in to this. Well, what happened was all this marketing messaging that did not fit the reality of people's lives exactly. was a spotlight on the propaganda and the marketing campaigns. They can see them as marketing campaigns right. and people who were at home with nothing more to do began to look around at, wow, what foundational science is there behind given all these shots to my child at two months, four months, six months old. And they realized these same players and they began to see, wait a minute, safe and effective. That's what they say about the COVID shot. So there's been a lot of parents who even now that they can get to the doctor's office who are continuing to question and slow down yeah. and, and either quit completely or space out or, but take more, um, do more medical due diligence. Correct. Instead of just saying yes, most people have no idea what 
what they're um, being told to do. And mm -hmm. so the Department of Health is concerned because the rates are plummeting. An 11% decrease in Tdap uptake um, in 2020 from 2019, 8.4% decrease in meningococcal vaccine, 5.6% decrease in HPV vaccine, Jesus. and a 6% decrease in um, one or more doses. What's this? Uh, some combination doses. Yeah, and, yeah. and when we see 21, they haven't released that. And you can't, you used to be able to click and get to their actual data, but right. haven't been able to get to that. And there is somebody with Informed Choice Washington right now trying to find out how to, you know, because it's supposed yeah, it's to be public, it's public information. It should be readily available. Correct. Um, yeah, so that's that's one of the reasons. And it's going to completely backfire because what they're going to do is go out there and push harder and ev than ever Correct. on the most dangerous, ineffective shots known to man ever. Mm -hmm. And it's going to just wake more people up and anger more people. How? I mean, how dare you? If they want public trust, they would have to say, me a couple, me a exactly. couple, we were wrong. You know, and we're going to look hard at everything and we're going to protect children and first do no harm. And But no, they're going to double down on what's going to further expose and erode any trust. Um, and they've only got themselves to blame because we have worked so hard to educate them, to keep our hearts open, to keep our hand out, to say, let us help you build better public health. And they want nothing to do with us. Well, it, it runs counter to the uh, to the profit making motive of uh, major pharmaceuticals, which, you know, mm -hmm. their job is to make money for their um, uh, shareholders. Mm -hmm. And again, if it kills if it kills women and children and, and, and adults, well, that's the price of doing business, apparently. Mm -hmm. And again, that is a, a very amoral um, attitude that I, you know, I can't abide. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I can't either. And I wanted to show you one of the gentlemen who spoke yesterday has a PhD. He's a, he's a scientist um, and he's done a lot of work um, looking at the sort of data that is important. So are you seeing this WAD DOH COVID data issues on yes. Rumble? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I encourage people to go to Rumble, rumble.com. You know, it's a video platform and look for WA. DOH COVID data issues, the full presentation. Um, I wish I had, oh, there it is. Dr. Clifford Knopick, if I'm saying that correctly, he was one of the speakers um, at the Board of Health meeting, gave a great, um, you know, two minute talk there. Now this presentation is really interesting. I mean, let me. Knopick. There we are gonna take a closer look at the production. I'm gonna we'll bring you to. Everyone, it's very let me very let me kind of explain this just a little bit, and then I might see if I, if if he'll come on to talk about this data here Absolutely. that he has, where he says, you know, if you to give an example outside of COVID, a, a data example, if you've got you see five enemy troops and five friendly troops, five allies, five civilians, and five children, but you total them up and say that equals twenty five enemy troops, what? Yeah, that's not right. But apparently with COVID, that's, let me see if I get to, um, they lumped 
all the cases together, symptom onset date, diagnosis date, specimen collection date, mm -hmm. LHJ, what's that? Notification date, um, date it was case was created in the um, in the database. Um, and, you know, it's sometimes it's just the test. It, it, it's not even a case. And of course, it's non-symptomatic. Anyway, and you lump all those together and then you create this graph with a huge spike and say, wow, we're in trouble. <laughs> he goes through a really, it's a really interesting approach for you to see how the data that the DOH is showing you is so um, corrupted. It's meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. He does a really good job. So Rumble, WA, DOH COVID data um, by COVID data issues is the, um, the publisher of that, is the yeah. channel on Rumble. Um, and I believe that this gentleman has his, um, his uh, speaking to the Washington Board of Health. Yeah, let, let's hear what he said. Let's see if I can get this to play. There we go. Oops, it's got a little ad, non-ad that is trying to play, but it won't. There we go. My name is Dr. Clifford Kanopic. I have a doctorate in computer science and other advanced degrees. I work with data for a living. King County's own data shows the COVID-19 injections are broken. For the past few months, most cases, hospitalizations, and deaths have been fully vaccinated people. The injections do not work as advertised. Worse, the data shows vaccinated children get COVID more than unvaccinated children. By mandating children to be vaccinated, you will be responsible for creating a COVID epidemic amongst children, and you'll be responsible for harm to the children from COVID and from the broken vaccines. You're debating whether to inject children with experimental technology that is broken and debating whether to punish the uninjected children by denying them their constitutional right to an education. There should be no debate. Harming children is always a no. If you do not have data or science to vote yes, it does not exist. Do not require your children to take these broken COVID-19 injections because that would be wrong, harmful, and ultimately evil. Thank you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. My name um, is Dr. Clifford. Oops. Oh, let me stop it. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah. So, you know, in the video that he has, he talks about that. He explains that something that you and I already know that when they say that 90% of the hospitalizations and deaths are in the non-vaccinated, they're pulling data back to February, 2020 when, Correct. when almost nobody had the shot. So they're backloading, you know, all the data with these numbers. But if you were to look at, you know, what's going on now, you will see a completely different picture. Um, so he points out just, so many good key points to really show. And Javier, moving forward, this has to be exposed. Because yes. unless we want this to be done to us again, we have to expose how they manipulate the data, what they're doing, so that it never happens again. Cool. And, you know, that has to be done, I think, mostly at the local, well, it has to be done at all levels. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, where do we educate? Um, I, you know, I think we go to some of the city officials, county officials, so that we get, and, you know, in these smaller communities, you can actually have real conversations with people 
and engage right. in a real way and get them to understand. And then you can get this grassroots um, pushback and get that checks and balances in government that we need. Right. Yeah. But I can, I can say only this, it's not going to happen in Seattle. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it. I, I really am. Uh, we have, we have a new mayor. Mm. Uh, but again, it's a city council that's, uh, that has the power. And then you've got the county council as well. And again, Seattle uh, is its own. King and Pierce are their own little uh, island in Washington. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, the, the, the populous centers there that, that carry most of the vote. Yeah. Um, and again, there's been such a massive marketing campaign to tell people that this is safe and effective, to mm -hmm. demonize the people that have an opposing point of view. Mm -hmm. that it's really created a, a rift that's going to take many years to repair. And uh, again, uh, you know, the Board of Health heard from people that were engaged and active. The reason that mm -hmm. you didn't have that many people opposing it is that the people that believe in the vaccines don't believe that there's a problem. Yeah. So well, and, yeah, and it's it's tragic because they will learn the hard way when it hits yeah. personally, you know, and, you know, I want to let everybody know, no matter your status, that individuals are working on, um, you know, and go to informchoicewall.org. Um, there is information there. I do have a tab. Let me go look real quick. There's a tab called recovery yes. on our website where I'm, we're trying to keep links there to recovery protocols for the vaccine injured Absolutely. and brilliant caring scientists and doctors are always looking for more uh ways to help because the injuries are just so broad and different um, and then there is also um today early bird special but it the class starts the course starts next tuesday the gaeta institute is going to have this 15-week course um, on COVID, it's going to cover COVID prevention, treatment, as well as how to recover from COVID injections and contact COVID vaccinosis. So um, go to the post on informedtraceball.org to get more information about that. Um, yeah, I, it's a matter of just continuing to educate. But, you know, even here in Tennessee, what I found really alarming, there were there were two bills that were what's called a caption bill here. A bill can be filed if they don't have the language ready. They just have to have the caption say like um, relative to, relative to public health, relative to dentistry. Those are the two in particular that came up. And then there's just some kind of mumble bundle language about something expiring. But what they do later on is when it get when the committee's going to hear it and in Tennessee, every, everything gets heard or it, at least brought before the committee to be then hammered down right away, but at least right. it gets a shot, doesn't in Washington, but it does here. The language will be completely replaced. And there were two bills that in, in one way was directly related to Gardasil. It was gonna let Gardasil be given by dentists. And the other was um, language about minors without parental knowledge or consent being able to get preventatives to STDs which of course would be vaccination and drugs without, and you know, no way. And, but when we look deeper at who brought these things forward, you, you know, you begin to look and find the organizations who might've been well-meaning, but 
at some point funded by Merck, a grant by Merck or a grant by this or that, where the money's channeling and pushing. Sure. But what I found even more alarming was somebody didn't went down the rabbit hole and on money being funded to say the Republicans here, it's mostly Republicans here, very conservative, parental rights, medical freedom. And there's an organization, oh, we've got just one more minute. Um, an organization that is funded by, when you go look carefully at this million dollar organization, it's channeling through something called Greater Schools. But you look at who's putting the money in, it's a group that had funded Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And yeah. they back all of the things that our legislators here in Tennessee don't support. Correct. Big money being, you know, so everywhere the infiltration is happening. Um, no, I want to end on a happy note. There was a victory. No mandates for now. Celebrate this weekend. Stay vigilant. Stay loud. Stay strong. Truth will win. Uh, we're going to do this. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you all for listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back next week. And we've got two hours of Dr. Gaeta next week. You don't want to miss that. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at healthyimmunitynow.org. That's healthyimmunitynow.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.